Calling short. What the heck is going on? Own intro music's talking about short people and shit. That's crazy. Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here, and it's just a day or two before Christmas. And I want to do a couple shout outs, end of the year, wrapping it all up. We'll start new, coming, pre- you know, new stuff, new people. Um, I want to throw out some thanks. Uh, we, we get into the holiday season and You know, there'll be lots of running around, back and forth, different things. I'll try to knock out a little, like, house cleaning ones between now and January 1st. But they'll be pretty laid back. They won't be anything crazy unless somebody wants to call in and and, and talk about it. But um, thank all of you guys, the listeners out there. This has exceeded anything I would normally even think would happen with a podcast. I mean, just the number of subscribers, the downloads, the, the, the sharing, the... The discussion with the topics, uh, you guys have been really great with all that stuff. Supporting the classes and coming to our classes. The schedule's up, the schedule's out. We're moving some things around the block. So uh, we definitely got that. If you're looking for classes, hit me up on Sniper's Hide. Go in the training section. There is an Alaskan training section. There's a Treadproof training section. There's a Mile High. You can go on Mile High's uh Mile High Outdoors, or no, it's Mile High Shooting Outdoors. MileHighShootingOutdoors.com is where you can sign up for the classes for Mile High. We're going to be expanding and doing a lot more out there. Uh, It looks like they're going to sink some money into infrastructure for the classes here in Colorado. We should be getting some... um, you know, some a lot of work should be being done if if it all happens. Uh, I sat down with Mike and Diane and Randy, Adam, everybody at Mile High uh, last week, and we talked about uh, what they want to do for 2020, and it looks like they want to expand. So that's all a credit to you guys who've come to the class, who traveled out there, and you're doing all this stuff. So I really appreciate that. Um, to everybody who's been on the podcast from like Phil and Kalen and Mark and Mike and, and you know, the MDTs and, and, and the, the uh, Hawa, uh, Matt and, and, you know, Savage and Joe and all just, you know, Jim from Prime. And, and I mean that and, and a shout out to you guys as well. I mean, this really kind of goes and, and here's the thing, man, instead of, you know, it's building a community and, and that's how I always looked at Snipers Hide in a way. We'll create this community. We'll talk about the art and science of long-range shooting. We'll kind of, you know, we'll work within that internet atmosphere and then take it out to the real world and expand and and just bring a community from an online community to an offline one. And it kind of goes to, like, not creating a bunch of super fly individuals, but people who support and raise up and, and, you know, what they're... Giving back, I guess, is a better way of putting it. But thanks, everybody, who's been doing this, who's making it happen. And and all you guys, I mean, this doesn't happen alone. Yeah, I do a lot of it. But it's not like, you know, I, it still requires you guys out there to listen. It still requires the guests and everybody to come on. You know, it was Mike's idea to start doing the podcast in the first place. So I, I just want to shout out and say thanks to all of that. 
Um, you know, same thing with like on the forum stuff. We we've seen, you know, we 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 took that risk and and you know, go back years to 2014. Okay, so I jump into the scout thing, and my the way I look at it is I can't do this alone, and and it, and it really is hard to kind of navigate and to take all the sides of this from the online side to the offline side to the business side of it, right? So. It's, it's a pain in the neck to kind of juggle all those different elements. And, you know, part of going to scout was to, to take some of that pressure off me and then seeing the, 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 the movement of Facebook and those different, uh, where are competitors going to come from? And, and I saw it as Facebook. Well, the scout thing didn't work out that, you know, and it was funny too. And I didn't talk about it a whole lot. I mean, the scout turned into a big mess and, and there was things going on. They actually, all those same people have a whole nother site and tried to get me to go over to that place as well. They tried to make like a new scout and called the Maven. Like Blue Lives Matter is there. There's a bunch of politics there. There's a whole bunch of stuff. But they they rebranded themselves with all the same players. And, and it's funny, they were like, they were trying to recruit me to bring Sniper's Hide over there, and it was like no friggin' way. So, you know, I ended up losing quite a bit by just saying no to everybody, no to CBS. CBS wouldn't pay me, no to the scout people and, and, and all that. And then they were like, well, if you want your money, you know, go stand in line because the, the scout name is is gone in, in creditors and all that crap. So it was like, all right, I'm done. So then, you know, people are like, well, Sniper's Hide is irrelevant. There's all these other things going on, you know, Facebook groups. And it, it, there was a lot happening where you don't know, can you resurrect and come back to your previous glory? And and I have to say, man, numbers-wise, we're well beyond my previous glory. How that's in, interpreted, how that is, is looked at, you know, that's up to you guys to determine where it falls, but I mean, strictly looking at the numbers, uh, it, you know, we're bigger than ever. So I want to thank you guys. I want to thank everybody who's listening on the podcast for that. And it, it's really resonating with what we're seeing as far as the information putting out and in in how we're basically feeding all this better knowledge out there and not kind of charging. Yeah, I do have the, the the online training. There's still videos and different things with the online training stuff. Um, getting the new computer and the and this everything back up and running. I'm actually inputting some video footage right now. Um, so you know, I, I, I'm looking to do a little bit better job of it. This year has just been like a throwaway year for me. Beyond the podcast, I mean, the podcast has really been the shining star and sort of the 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 um the Sniper's Hide universe. When you look at Sniper's Hide, the website, the Everyday Sniper, the podcast, the training that I'm doing and the movement around the training's been great. Don't get me wrong there. That, that offline stuff is fantastic. But as far as, you know, when you look at all these different elements, the, the podcast is really a standout. And, and, and that all goes back to the listeners. That goes back to everybody sharing it. And, and I really appreciate it. And as well, it goes to the guests, you know. So thank you guys. Thanks, everybody's out there. I'm going to read some of the comments and kind of make sure I, I get the year ended. Um, I'm really looking forward to 
the end of the year stats and to see how we did with the comments, to see if we grew any or got any different. To me, we've gotten bigger from last year to this year because last year was our first full year. This year is going to be our second full year, right? And to me, it seems like we, we've grown quite a bit. I mean, we when, when we did that first full year, we were just around that 2,000 subscribers. We're over 6,000. I think we're 6,600 subscribers, which is fantastic. That's a, that's a pretty serious number when you look at some of the other competitors on the Podbean app. I think the only one close to us right now is like Meat Eater. And, you know, they have a Netflix TV show. I really kind of got to get a sugar daddy and basically let a sugar daddy take over the business side of things and, and, and invest and do all that and let me be frank and do my thing. I mean, so many of these guys all have sugar daddies that do this stuff and invest in different things. And, and again, that was kind of the, the thinking with Scout, you know, is let them do some of the, the, the financial heavy lifting and then, you know, build in these things to allow me to go out and, and create the content and, and bring in the new new members to listen to it. But, you know, that that all fell apart with them uh, as far as that. They started it. They just didn't didn't do it right. But anyway, um, again, thanks all you guys. Thanks everybody who's supporting it. Um, looking, I know I'm going to be a lot busier next year training-wise. And, and again, for training, if you want to go out there, the Sniper's Hide Forum not only has the competition section that we talked about uh, over the last couple days, but, you know, to tell you where, where matches are, right? So if you want to advertise your competition, there's no charge, there's no this. Training and competitions, I don't charge people, right? Because I feel that's that's giving something back to you guys as far as that. So it's not like, you know, you don't go to somebody and say, hey, if you want to advertise, like a, K- a PRS or L- NRL, you don't go to them and go, hey, man, if you guys want to advertise your events on Sniper's Hide, you got to pay me. Well, that's that's not because we want you to go out and do it, right? We want you out there shooting these matches and learning and taking classes. So, you know, if you want to figure out the training schedule, there is an Alaskan section. There is a treadproof section. Mile High's got their stuff, and Mile High has their own website, Mile High Shooting Outdoors, okay? It's different from their retail site. It's instead of it being Mile High Shooting, right, it's Mile High Shooting Outdoors, and the outdoors has all the stuff to sign up for the classes. So head over there and, um, if you need that. But the dates are all up. Everything's getting put in, and um, we, we got the treadproof classes, we're going to combine that with the NRA show for the first set. So we're going to be at NRA with Treadproof, Mark and I. Then we're going to do the classes down there. We got guys already signing up for the LE side of things. So the LE class is going. There's already people signed up. If you want that dedicated, hands-on, Mark and Frank, hey, man, show us what we're doing. We're not playing the tactics as much as we're working on you. We're trying to improve you. How if you're better, then you can adapt to tactics and the changes, right? It's it's like a competition. So you get that good foundation, you get those good fundamentals, and then when they throw a stage at you, now you're only worrying about how to build the much better position and you're not worried about your trigger press. You're not worrying about the fundamental size because that becomes easier for you um, because you have a better handle on it. So 
the classes and stuff are out there. I'm actually putting together, as I talked about with some guys, a, a really good new mobile setup. Um, I'm, I'm thinking in anticipation of SHOT Show. I'm already, if, if you guys, if anybody out there listening wants to talk to me at SHOT Show or bring me around to their booth or is looking to advertise on the site or wants to be a commercial vendor, get a hold of me earlier rather than later. My schedule's already starting to fill up for SHOT Show. People are already starting to get the times on the calendar. There's only so many hours in the day, you know, that, that 9 to 5 in the booths and everything. So if, if you want, you know, if you want to kind of connect with our audience, and again, it's it's a gigantic audience, man. We're almost at a million downloads, 600 uh, six, or 6,600 active subscribers, you know, and that's the people that are subscribed. That's not everybody listening. That's just subscribers. So, I mean, stat-wise, we're, we're definitely there. So if you're looking for that and you want to reach out and use this platform, um, you know, and participate, get a hold of me sooner than later. But I'm putting together some some newer kit to make things a little bit better, a little easier, kind of a little mobile briefcase podcasting kit so I can zip out, do these interviews, and come back. If it's if it's only one person, me and one other person, I can do it with my my phone setup that I do, and you guys you heard many times. You like it, it's all good. But I'm actually creating a little mobile studio kit to give me a lot more flexibility of how many people I can interview, um, putting things in place. So if I have two or three people on the other side of the of the mic, they're all on and we're not trying to just pass and share mics and, you know, speak in the room back here so everybody can hear me. You know, we're, 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 we're kind of trying not to do that. And the other thing with shot is the sound, the noise, right? So you kind of got to mic people up because it's, you know, it's it's the it's the birds in the background. It's all the buzzing, the bees and the birds. All that all that other noise just messes crap up. So, uh I'm I'm definitely putting effort into 2020 from both the website, the training and the podcast point of view. So let me jump into the to the app and, and let me just get on some of these comments. I'm going to not go back too far. Uh, I'll load up a little bit. I don't know where I really am um, as far as this, though. I don't remember where I left off. Put it that way. So let's just try to go. We'll, we'll, we'll come back here, and, and I'm going to go back a little bit. So uh, the last thing I remember, we'll go back to this Oak Island kind of stuff. Um, so here we get with the weight and everything. And and there was some some extra. De- it's it's the big because here's the when I talk about weight versus speed, bullet weight versus bullet speed. I get the one guy that comes on and, and just won't stop. I don't get it. I don't you know he does the big Tom Hanks. I don't get it. You know my friend has great success. It's like yeah, define your friend's great success because we never heard of him. I have no clue who he is. He hasn't been lighting the world on fire. And yeah, one guy went to one event and did well with a heavy 338. Okay, that was one guy, one event. And he was probably pushing it faster than I had mentioned. I talked about the 2850. And there's no mention of speed. There's no mention of this. And I've come up and I say, listen, you know, yeah, but it doesn't work when it's 150 feet per second slower. You may think it's working, but define that. Is it a first round hit? Can you go and just drop down and hit a mild target on command 
as it should. Most know. But if you get the speed up, then it's much more predictable. You got to think of the speed at the intended target range. Okay, with ELR, there's a ton of transonic shooting, right? Subsonic, transonic, things like that. But for a lot of guys who want to venture into that 1,500 and one-mile range, these calibers, and many of them, should still be supersonic. You know what I'm saying? They still should be supersonic. When you do that, you increase predictability. You increase the predictability of the hit on the target, especially with wind. Well, if you got one guy and he goes subsonic at 1,600, and another guy who doesn't go subsonic until 1,900, the other one should win. And, and we were talking about this factor um, with, like, Josh Kuntz has this uh, TNF factor, right? And, and you could do some math. I got to find somewhere I got a paper that explains it, and I don't have it off the top of my head to look at it. And I don't, I don't see my paper in front of me. But I'll get Josh Kuntz on to talk about this factor. So the first question or one of the things is, um, is Perry is talking about his data for the edge and Perry's got good data, man. And, and so it's showing that. So I'm going to go up from there and we're talking about weight versus speed in a lot of these. So let's go here. Good stuff. I also have lots of funny looks when I told people I run the one thirties in my six, five in six, five 47. I show them the data, less recoil, less drop, and close to equal energy in wind out to a thousand yards. So tough to top that. Enjoy listening. Right. Lighter bullet is gonna have less recoil, less movement of the gun, especially if you're on a clock, right? The speed will put back speed kills, man. Speed wins. Speed is the defining factor. So think about that. Um, uh, Frank, I need a scope. I know I have a lot of people. Guys, I know I've mentioned this a bunch of times with the scopes. I got to get them all sorted out. Uh, Big Jim just did another scope reviews and put some stuff up with Citron. Uh, there's a couple lower budget end scope reviews that Jim Fish puts on the homepage of Sniper's Hide. If your budget's not there, if you're not, you know, big dollar guy, go to the front page of Sniper's Hide. There's tons of reviews that Jim Fish is putting up. I know I don't mention them as much. And one of the other things, God, I got to talk about this Arkin scope because I took it out yesterday, day before Saturday, I was at the range and... I'm shooting that $550 arc in the 4 to 16. It's a damn good scope, dude. I I I gonna agree putting it into practice. The reticle, yeah, that those dots don't clear up for me. I need illumination to turn them on and so I could see them a little bit better. If there was a way in in beyond illumination to kind of color those reticles a little bit. The straight black, like some of my Schmitz would get like that bronzy look and would almost reflect. You know what I mean? In my older scopes and stuff, especially my older Schmidt, I notice it. But then, you know, like the new scopes seem very matte. And with the tiny 0.2.1 dots, they get lost a little bit. So I was shooting for group and I was doing some stuff. I have the new prime six millimeter Creedmoor. And I'm shooting the 115 grain, and holy shit, I was impressed. So I had my Gap uh, Bravo uh, Bravo 6 Delta, the Gain Twist Bravo 
uh, it was my old Gap team gun, right? George Gardner built it. I went back and shot core at the time, got back into PRS, was like I top 15'd it after an 18-month hiatus with this rifle, shooting 6mm Creedmoor before it came out. Well, shortly thereafter, I was shooting a local match uh, here, a one-day matcher, and I broke the bolt stop on, on it and kind of pushed it to the side. Now, George had immediately sent me a repair kit for that bolt stop, but I never really got around to it. I was thinking I had to tap it out and do a bunch of stuff. I didn't realize it was threaded and a nut, and it worked without needing to tap it and do all this other thing. I thought it was more of a pin, um, not, a, not a screw. So we, I went in recently and fixed it. Fritz helped me out, went to Mile High, stopped in there, and, and we repaired this rifle. Well, then JP sent me their updated replacement, the APAC chassis, right? So all the new parts, the new lower rail on it, and I put it in that. So I put that 6-millimeter Creedmoor gain twist Bartland barrel, okay, gain twist it was designed for. That's why it was the Bravo 6 Delta because it was a Bravo gain twist 6-millimeter defiance action when... when um. Uh, GA had used that defiance action as their team action for their team guns. And we're going back years now. And so I put all that together. I get the six millimeter from prime and I zero it in like three rounds. And then I shot a one group. I only have a case of it. I didn't grab, I grabbed more cases of 260 than I did a six millimeter. I, you know, I, I have a weird, weird relationship with six millimeter. I, I'm not sure I feel about it sometimes, but I'll get to that. So right out of the gate, I shoot a half-minute group. Ballistic X software, take a picture, run it up, boom, half-minute, dead on, all money. Okay, cool, I got a half-minute group. So now let me go out, and I'm going to shoot 800 and 1,000 and take a look at what it looks like. I'm like, God damn, man. So I'm, I'm going to dope it, and it's like over the top, over the top, and I'm like, holy shit, this thing's shooting flat as hell. 4.6 mils to 800 and 6.8 mils to 1,000. I'm like, yeah. Factory ammo, 115 grain, 6 millimeter Creedmoor, over 2,900 feet per second with a 115 grain bullet. I'm in the butter zone, dude. I'm in the butter zone. That 29 to 29.50, that's that sweet spot for six mils, right? And I'm at a 115 in there. Boom, nice. This thing is shooting so flat, so nice. So 800 yards, I shoot like a four-inch group, held the half minute. At 1,000 yards, it opened up a little bit. I did get one group that was like five inches, six inches, then I kind of got another when I was doping it a little bit more vertically spread. But at the same time, I still shot a friggin' five-inch group at 1,000 yards with this thing. Factory ammo. Hello. I videoed it. I'm going to make a little presentation with it as part of the prime buys. You guys pushed those prime group buys over the top. I got new prime 260 in my hand. Working great. Shot that with that Kdex. Um... The strike nuke chassis build, I got that all back. I needed more 260, and, and they were working on that bolt. was kind of messed up. I had a bad bolt in, in one of them, so I had them swap it out to an aftermarket bolt. In that 260, I put the Kdex uh, two-stage trigger on it, dropped it in the strike nuke chassis, and the thing was hammering, was doing really well. I put that inexpensive arc and scope on it to try it. 
I got to say, man, for a $500 scope, I'm friggin' impressed. I've seen $1,500 scopes that aren't anywhere near as good as this Arkin. Now, don't get me wrong. When you go on a Sniper's Hide forum and there's like multi-page discussions on this scope, guys are getting them and it's like the parallax didn't work as well. Send it back to us, they replace it. Boom, they're replacing it right out. One guy had the magnification ring. There's a little flathead screw that holds that magnification ring in place. It was loose. He tightened it up. It worked. They're like, nope, unacceptable. Send us that scope back. We're sending you a new one. That's customer service. So here's what happened, man. You got guys that specced out a really good OEM scope and didn't triple the price for you to pay for it. You know what I mean? They basically are putting a little bit more effort into the into the customer service, making sure it's right. They're holding their OEM's feet to the fire. No, we want that back because we want to hold it over the OEM. Nope, give us that back. Even though it might be minor, like that loose screw on the magnification ring. All you did is tighten it up with a flathead screwdriver and it's fixed. Nope, give me it back where you want it. So you got these guys using Sniper's Hide as their customer service tool because now they can watch the topic and they can come in and talk to you. How great is that? So again, uh, uh, we're playing with that. Uh, the bitches, I go to the range and, and I have the trigger cam with that and I was going to throw the Arkin with it and I forgot my damn phone uh, at the house, left it on the charger and just went to the range and said, fuck it and didn't do any picture stuff other than the video. But I am working on that. I'm it's actually inputting stuff now. My computer's inputting pretty slow, which is weird. But anyway, so um, I'm going to be doing that Prime video with the 6 Creed more. Like I said, I'm playing with the 260 that they got. I grabbed two cases of that. Prime's coming back. You guys did a fantastic thing by making that crowdfund that we put out successful. Yeah, Jim on talking about it. He's on the site. There's videos out there. This new Peterson ammo, this new U.S. Prime is working. He's got a lot of, here, here's the difference, dude, and here's the behind-the-scenes thing. So Jim, Jim made a lot of really great relationships over the years, okay? I met him at K&M during the Gap Grind, or I don't know if it was the Grind or a different event, but I met him at K&M during an event, and that's when I borrowed ammo from him. I was a box short. The story's online. You can go listen to it. So Jim goes to this. He went to Ireland for the Guardian stuff. He goes around and supports like the Arizona matches and Regina and all those guys. There's a lot of prime shooters out there. Well, one of them like right now is Satterley, Scott Satterley. He's working this 6mm Creedmoor. He's getting this stuff. He's bringing in some of his connections to work with prime. And what are we seeing? We're seeing better ammo, man. This shit is kick ass. I mean, I like I said... I've been shooting some of the, the, the six Creed more. Mike shoots six Creed more. I have uh, the, the Kadex uh, Sheepdog in six Creed more here. And so I'm looking at all this. I'm going to be looking at the burger ammo and I'm going to be looking at all the different ones. This new Prime is just smoking in that 115 and it works on my range really well. 6.8 mils. Okay. That's, that's flat, dude. That, that's. I mean, it's not like a gap gun when those guys were shooting the fives, you know, five mils and stuff. But 6.8 is a nice, flat, light, flat shooting gun. 
it's going to work out really well for that thousand and in and to be able to do comps and things with it quick, you know? So really good stuff with that um, six millimeter. All right, let's get back to some other questions here and kind of come in. Um, Oak Island's not a waste of time. Freaking whatever this guy's name is, 2000. You, rah, they're going to find shit, man. Oak Island, let me tell you this. It, 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 yeah, it's a TV show. Yeah, they're pulling you. I think it's going to change North American history in terms of what we did and when we did it. I really do think there's an element of North American history uh, that's going to go on. Um, any predictions? This is Rick. Uh, any predictions on what they might be the next big thing at SHOT Show? No, I've heard of some stuff, a lot of little stuff, a lot of accessories. I know some things like Atlas got a big thing. You know, there's big things out there as far as bigger but I still think it's more accessory. Like, rifle-wise, I mean, you got the Athena, the 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 223 M4 variant that's kind of like an M14 that Chris Drake is doing at Drake Associates. The Athena's new. It's different. It's, it's a hyper-accurate, like, patrol rifle. You know what I mean? So what they're trying to do is give you designated marksmanship or DM accuracy for for patrol guys for LE, right? So we're, we got a 5.56 M4 variant. It's got a new front end to it. Very similar, like I said, to an M14 when you look at it as far as the design goes. Doesn't look aesthetically like a 14. Looks like an M4, just with a different nose, you know, for a handguard situation. And he's, he's showing, talking about better accuracy, much better accuracy, better accuracy. So he's increasing... The accuracy of an M4. You got Hoplite and the guy uh, thesis on um, Sniper's Hide. He's got his Hoplite arms coming out. Three lug action, many variants. Every There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of discussion on the Hoplite arms thing um, that's happening. So uh, there's, there's buzz on that. There may be some new scopes and some stuff. You got the cross. I'm going to be going to SIG to see their cross, which is kind of like their fixed variant. I guess some guys who worked for Q went back to SIG and now brought a variation of the Q fix, and it's now the SIG cross. So I'm going to be going to range day for that. We're not doing range day per se um, like Mile High normally does. So I'm going to go just to look at the SIG thing. So there is a lot of stuff coming out, Rick. Uh, robot doc. Hey brother. I know you got a ton of stuff going on, but he wants a Tumblr. I get it, dude. Dude, I'm trying to do a website robot doc. Here's the deal, man. I put a website up last week. I just got to get the, the, the e-commerce stuff sorted out for PayPal to attach my PayPal account to it. So you can sign up for classes. You could buy the Tumblr and do some different stuff. I'm I'm just not a shipping put stuff out guy, man. So you just got to catch me when I'm someplace. Like if I go to a class, I have them with me and I'll give you one. But to mail you one to buy, it's a pain in my ass. So, okay, great info. What is this, Bo? Great info as always. Come on, Mike. Don't tease us and disappear. Mike does that, man. I, I You know, uh, six five shooter. Awesome deal. Thank you, Jim and Frank. Yeah, the prime group buys money. Weight versus speed, time to shoot. Um, I'm finding 147s less wind drift than the 130s. Dude, I ran the numbers. It's 0.1. 
Okay, a 147 in, in how you could practically push it to a 130, it's like two-tenths of a mil. How is that less, really? If a plate is 0.5, how is 0.1 or 0.2 solving you any problems? So, yeah, but the 147s actually do shoot pretty f fast. Most uh, 147s are getting you in the 2700, which is pretty good for a 147-class bullet. And what it is, though, is people do see issues with the 147s, either popping primers or having some issues. There was a weirdness going on with the 147. The other thing is recoil, dude. It's less recoil if you're shooting a barricade or something where you're balancing on a bag. They want less recoil. There's a reason these guys are shooting 6 millimeters that don't have anywhere near the wind drift of a 147 class bullet or a 140. Why are they shooting 105s and 107s and 101s and 10 this and 10 that, right? If you look at the wind drift at 1,000 yards in an 8-mile-an-hour wind with a 6.5 Creedmoor versus a 6-millimeter Creedmoor, the 6.5 is going to be less. But they still chase 6 millimeters. Go look at it. Anyway, uh, that was, you know, so, uh, so I heard on another podcast that 6584 was just Sammy approved. What company is releasing a rifle at shop? Who cares? I honestly, a 65284 is such a big bang, raced your bullet, and I'm not really worried about it. It's not something that I'd rather do a PRC. A 65 PRC to me would be better than a two, uh, the, the 284. Um, you know, I'm I'm not so I'm I don't see a reason for me to go 284. You know. Anyway, but who knows? Go look. Oh, uh, Gary. Hi, Gary. Gary Larson. I haven't talked to Gary in a while. Would you rather fight 100 tiny Sasquatches the same size as a baby Yoda? Ooh. I guess he he's, does this. Um. Oh, wait. he want, It's a double. So Gary's got a question here. Gary wants to know if I'd rather fight one full-size Sasquatch or 100 baby Yoda-sized Sasquatches. One, man. If I only got to worry about one and, and not, uh, I mean, a hundred, Gary, maybe 10, I can, I can work on like 10 baby Yodas might be like, like a fight. A hundred, you're just going to get Chinese horde and friggin' you're, you're done, man. It's, it's, it's waves, human waves, baby Yoda waves of Sasquatch. I only want to fight one big one, dude, especially if I can get far away, right? Even if I have a hundred, that's a lot of mag changes, dude. That's 10 mag changes. All right, so Ahmad, what do we got here? I'm a reloader, and I'm looking to do a 260 or 260 Ackley. I did a 260 Ackley, dude. I don't see a reason to do a 260 Ackley anymore. My 260 Ackley, I changed back to a regular 260. I had a Terry Cross 260 Ackley. You're going to reduce your barrel life a bit. Uh, the barrel life was like right around 2,000 rounds instead of closer to 5,000, like 2,500 Instead of closer to the three, four thousand rounds you can get pushing a 260, a 260 already is going to give you like 25 feet per second, almost 50 feet per second more over a Creed more. So, do you really need to go even like 25, 50 feet per second more with the Ackley? To me, by the time you're fire forming everything, you're already going back to half that's half your barrel life. So, ah, fuck Ackley. I, I don't, you know. It's it's like do I do a two two three Ackley? No, just get a Valkyrie. Should I do a two two sixty Ackley? No, get a PRC. 
you know, should I do this? I'd do that. You know, it's like there, there's, they're already doing things to give you what you want. So, you know, it's like, well, why do we have to do it out of this? Okay, instead of doing a 6.5 Creed more, do a 6.5 PRC. Now I have all that velocity back that I'm trying to get. All right, so what do we got? Uh, podcast. Um, I don't know what this means. F Bank of A. Oh, Bank of America. F Bank of America. That okay? So just listen to Jim from uh, Jim, and he got me heated on us. Yeah. So basically, he listened to Jim from Prime, and it, it is a thing, man. the The fact that you can't go to banks. You can't go to Kickstarter, Indiegogo. You can't do crowdfunding. You can't use the resources out there like someone else. Like we could start a porn business and have a better time getting financed than you can in the gun business. Okay, that's one. Two, gun business is supposed to be legal, yet they're legally trying to snuff you out of it by state saying if you support a gun business through uh, investment, you can't do business with the state. There's a lot of these little things that are going on out there that really just kind of whack you. Um, you know, so, yeah, that that's a thing. Hawk, uh, Frank, how often do you clean your bore and remove carbon? And how often do you remove copper? What's how I barely clean, dude. I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a, a, a br- uh, not a brush. I'm a, um, a bore snake kind of guy for carbon. I, you know, maybe I barely clean shit. I use um I use Shooter's Choice and and my method for cleaning is a wet patch of Shooter's Choice, run it through, a wet nylon brush, and I use nylon because I have packs of nylon. I like the nylon because it gives me that good copper versus bad copper thing. So a wet patch, I use a wet nylon brush. I do four strokes, one in, one out, one in, one out. That's it. Then I do another wet patch. Then I do three or four dry, and I'm done. How often? Barely ever, dude. Um, I'm looking like I was looking at the... Um, I know I have 450 rounds in this six Creedmoor that I shot without cleaning it. And I was looking at it. It shot half minute, and I was thinking... I saw a little vertical spread at 1,400. And I'm thinking maybe I should clean this because it's a six millimeter. It goes fast. They tend to throw a lot of stuff down there because they're zippy quick, you know. But I would say in my six fives, I clean about every 500 rounds. My 308s barely ever, maybe 1,000, 1,500 rounds I'll clean them. I'll more often bore snake them and just pull a bore snake through before I start something. Now, here's the difference now. I'm going to drive down to a match. If I'm going to travel to a competition, I'll clean it really good. Then I'll foul it and I'll show up there and have about 50 rounds under it before I start the comp. But it's cleaned before that. I don't want anything to happen in the middle of the comp. Things go south on me. So I'll clean ahead of time for a competition type situation. But I, I don't clean often, dude, at all. And, and copper removal, like straight-up copper removal, I wouldn't clean that to that degree unless I was putting it away and not going to use it no more. Um, I'm basically just doing my processes really quick. Um, like wipeout, I leave it in for 30 minutes while I'm cooking. You know, I don't I use wipeout and shooter's choice and hops number nine. 
I don't use much else. I don't use the harsh shut to, stuff to clean. All right, where are we now? Episode 13 will help you out with a lot of questions. I really like the bore tech. Yeah, I, I don't do the heavy uh, uh, things to clean. Thanks for doing the podcast. Uh, who's the Mike guy, right? Who is Mike? Where's Mike? Why Mike? What Mike? Uh, show prep, show prep, show prep. We don't need no show prep, right? <laughs> My ADD style. It's adult ADD. So I have an adult ADD. Um, so, Sean, right, Sean's right. Sean's a good dude, man. And then Rick, he likes what I'm doing. RoboDoc, if you were designing the podcast around a set of formulated production, yeah, it probably wouldn't work if I tried to do it on a formula. You guys are right. Quality info, bring it. Thanks, guys. Doc Pew Pro, thanks, Jim, for putting out such a great deal. I appreciate you speaking with me over the phone and for your support of all of us over the sandbox. Frank, keep the great info on putting out great stuff. I mean, that's the whole thing, guys, is I want this to be, yeah, a lot of it's my opinion on things, but I look at it as educated, as experienced opinion because I'm out there doing it, seeing it, trying it, meeting new people. It's not usually a one-off anecdote. It's usually... By the time I bring it to you, I've usually seen it 10 times. You know what I mean? It's not like I saw it once. Maybe I saw it again. I'm usually seeing it over and over and over again when I bring it to you. But thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. Uh, uh, 88 horsepower here, whatever this guy. Um, Love the podcast, Frank. Hope you take your mile high class someday soon. What do you think of Q-Cans? You know what? Kevin Brittenham's on the friggin' Sniper's Hide. And I have to kind of like, like, dude, don't be that guy, man. It's like I, I try to be really cool. The only one rule I gave him is he had this thing with Bartland Barrel, and I wasn't going to let him fight with Bartland Barrel on my site. I like what he does. I like his stuff from back in the day. I'm a Q fan. I like the Q fix. You know, I was going to get one, but he was kind of being a little errant with me. And, and I get it, man. It's his personality. He's like me, you know. He does what he does out there. And it, it's it's either a love cue or hate cue. Love Kevin or hate Kevin. Love this or hate that. It's almost, you know, kind of goes to the Mark LaRue. It goes to me. It goes to that. We're all these kind of personalities in the system. I like cue stuff. Um, I I probably would would gravitate more to dead air than I would cue. Um, right now I'm digging on the OSS, like I've mentioned a couple times, but yeah, man, I would try a Q can. No, no drama there. I, I think Q does good stuff. Hey Frank, love the podcast. Love the site. Do you think you can add a Canadian section for the PX? Nah, dude, I hate the fucking PX. The PX is like the busiest part of Sniper's Hide. It is a, it is the most annoying thing, man. I, I'm I, you're literally guys are going to push me to charge them to even use it because it's getting out of hand. Um, always enjoy your rants, Frank. Keep them coming. Thanks, Army Dog. All right, shooter, sniper side guy. What is about time? Another fundamental Frank rant. I think watching the events in the past weekend involved a small amount of stress and some carbine shooting at distance. Some very sad owners of some very expensive kit that forgot price tags do not equal marksmanship. Fundamentals. Fundamentals, fundamentals, focus on the fundamentals. Thank you, Shooter. Okay, dudes, you can buy a certain amount of success, but if your foundation is shit, you're not going to be able to sustain and, and maintain that success the way you want. So think about that. Christmas is coming. 
day or two from now, you're not going to be able to buy the success that you want. All right, what do we got? How's it, Frank? Love the show. Thanks for making the effort. I'm in the process of getting a new bipod and want an Atlas. Is there any reason to choose a PSR over the Cal? I love the Cal, dude. I would choose the Cal. If you want the PSR, get get the leg extensions with it. If you want that extra little bit of height, the Cal excels when you compare it with the other equally kind of bipod, the Thunder Beast and all that. The Cal excels with the extensions. It has some of the better extensions in my book. I'm sold on a Cal. Uh, so there it will be. We'll be using it in PRS shooting. Now, I will say this, dude. If you are going to be shooting competition, PRS, NRL, I would almost look at the Skypod. I love the Cal. I think the Cal is great. I think it'll serve you well. You'll need the extensions if you're going to shoot a match for sure. But the Skypod is kind of pre-PRS-y already. So don't overlook the Skypod, but the Cal is definitely my favorite. Out of all of them out there, Thunder Beast, this, like, if it's no extension, the Thunder Beast and Cal are identical to me. So no extensions, just using it as a normal everyday bipod. The, the, the Cal and the Thunder Beast are my top freaking bipods. They're neck and neck. If you're going to start transitioning to the accessories, to the um to the extensions into the different elements you can add to the legs the cow wins it, it overtakes the thunder beast by a millimeter but it's still a great bipod then you go to the sky pod the elite irons and down from there big fan of them uh the elite iron I, I dig if you're a prone guy and you just want max um you know all that then for sure uh, let's see. I was wondering, what is this one? Uh, oh, wait, and I set the second one. Which would be your choice and why? So there's my bipod choices. So Thunder Beast Cows are my ones. Uh, Skypod, Elite Iron, and then from there. All right, so this one. Frank, during PR2 at the Alaska Precision Rifle Training Course, you and Mark Tall Target tested all the scopes that were on the line. You also talked about how to put them back on the rifles, which was great. Out of the pure curiosity, I was wondering if there was a similar scope test for windage and scopes also drift. Yeah, yes. So some scopes, um, tall. what he's asking about is windage drift. There is in the tall target test, what you have to do, if you max out your elevation, you may see a curve. You want to go to the maximum, like we tall target test at 36 mils, 10 mils which isn't really pushing that limit very far, right? If you go to like, if a scope is supposed to have 26 mils, then you zero it, you do everything, and then you say, okay, I have 24 mils of usable. Well, then you want to look at that 24 mils because it'll start to curve with a drift. But there's also, you want to look at like the box-to-bench precision hunter target, which is like a game, We'll check windage as well and see how your scope will do. Uh, my tall target test has a windage element to it. Other ones have windage elements to it. So what you're looking for are curves at the top end when you're dialing elevation with these scopes. They will curve. Uh, all right. Um, comment and question. I love the show. Now the question. I have a how and a Bravo KRG. Do PRS all good, but it's a target rifle F-class range. They shoot single-shot actions. Tell me I'm never going to get the accuracy level they do. 
Yeah, you probably have to hand load it. Dude, you'd have to rig that barreled action up and make like a real, like a, that KRG Bravo with maybe an elite iron bipod with some really zippy good hand loads. You might get close. You're not going to get perfect. It's, it, yeah, dude, you're a bit undergunned for F class. We are. But I'm going to tell you this like Mark and those guys up in Alaska at J Bear, the, the military base up there. They do a Midnight Sun F-Class thing. I would talk to your F-Class people at your local range and see if they'll do like a tactical division off the books. So basically get a bunch of your buddies that have tactical rigs, go shoot F-Class and be under their rules, but kind of just score yourself on your own. Um they do it up in Alaska. It, it, it's it's a it's an event that happens like at seven o'clock at night because the sun doesn't go down. So during the week, you can go shoot an F class match. Um, and and again, Mark and all those guys take their tactical guns. They just aren't on the normal situation. Um, you know, the, the, it, it it's not so much the single shot versus the magazine fed. So he has a question here, but I want to know, has the single shot versus magazine fed for rifle actually been settled? It's a heat thing. What they're trying to do with the single shot versus the magazine, here's a situation. Get your gun hot. Put your mag in and, and, and run it. You'll see the bullets are start to get discolored. You'll see it in ARs a lot more, but you'll see... It's a single shot. Is it more accurate to not shoot out of a magazine? And No, the actions are identical. It's not more accurate. It's just what they're doing is they're putting the bullet in on their terms and they're not exposing the bullet to heat. So that's kind of what's going on with that. I'm not going to get too deep into it. I'm running near the end here. Uh, Frank, love the show. Can't wait for SHOT Show interviews. I'd love to hear from Mark Gordon, Short Action Customs on all the new products and some trends. Yeah, if Mark's around, I know Mark, but I don't see him that often. But, uh, yeah, be happy to talk to him. Any word on whether Leopold is going to have another reticle option coming out for the Mark V? The CCH doesn't look too bad, but I'm not a fan of how they did the quarter mil marks. Um, I don't know. I'll, I guess we'll find out. I doubt it. I doubt Leopold doesn't chase reticles. They have theirs and now the CCH and then the Horus stuff. And they kind of just told Horus to go jump in a lake and did their own. I doubt you'll see a different reticle, but you never know, man. You got to go talk to him. Uh, Jack, Mason, Malcolm, love the podcast. Trying to keep comments coming. Your stream of consciousness is you're smoother than most people. So I don't think you need notes. Um, The artist formerly known as 850 or 805 or what is this? 800 horsepower, 540. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, he changed his name to E-Man. All right, I got it, dude. You changed your name. Taylor. Two-way street and bullets have the right-of-way. Yes, Phil is funny, man. Robot Doc. Uh, yep, it is funny. It's another truism that, that fills uh, bullets. Bullets, uh, you know, uh, combat zones, a two-way range, and bullets have a right-of-way. Two-way street, rather. Um... Very good points made on the weight being a factor with the Harris bipod. I'll go into more detail on the form. Yes, so what I was saying is that guys that tend to do really well with Harris bipods overgun it. And they got like a ton of gun on top of a Harris. And yeah, of course it's going to do pretty well. You know, you got a friggin' $10,000 rifle on an $80 bipod. 
If your right pod isn't performing, but you'll see better results with less effort if you change the bipod. I like Thomas's idea as far as how he standardizes his training. That's hoggling, right? Um, this, the engraved targets, the way to track a person's progress in some point will become um, competitive. You'll need a way to verify scores. Yeah, so I want to do a thing that, that'll let you basically... Think about the NRL PRS kind of thing. All they're really doing is saying, go shoot these matches. We'll take the scores and we'll put them over here and we'll watch them. And then we'll kind of at the end of the year, blah, blah, blah. Well, I can do that on Sniper's Hide. I could put a section up and say, put your scores, do your things and all this. But we need a way to vet and verify them to make sure you're not cheating. So it's something I'm considering on a training side where you can look at your training and you can have these different kind of qualification levels you can you can strive for. I mean, if you're going to cheat, you're only cheating yourself, but it's posted on the internet so people will cheat. All right, what is this one? Another long one. Lawn man. Lawn man. Lawn MMM. He's a good dude. He's local. Enjoyed the conversation with Phil about the practicality of gaming versus hunting versus competitive versus LE. An interesting conversation all around. Reinforces a belief I've held for a long time. Different guns for different tasks. Expecting a hunter to compete with a hunting rifle or pretending a 24-pound competition rig would work walking five miles in the mountains to a hunting parcel is just isn't realistic. Totally. Uh, Ryan Bowers, Jesus, uh, with cost aside, how do you know you're getting a quality suppressor before you buy? I stick with the people, man. I go by brand on that. Like, like, you know, components are another good one to me. Off brands with bad titanium is a real thing. Stainless usually works good. Inconel works good, but I, I like there's some brands out there that just don't do as well. So I kind of, you know, if I want a precision rifle suppressor, I'm going to a precision rifle brand. That's kind of what I, I would look at it. Uh, Frank, I was telling a coworker of mine about your background the other day. It comes from a long lines Marine. His grandfather was Colonel Walter Walsh. Thought you might be familiar with him since you spent some time at Lejeune. No clue, dude. Don't know any officers, nothing like that. And honestly, if you take my entire Marine Corps career, I only spent like 18 months, man, in the States, you know, with schools and everything. I wasn't in the U.S. because I did the med float, which immediately became the Gulf float, which as soon as I came back, I went to a Westpac, you know, and did that. So I did three back-to-backs, you know, uh, we, we were in the med float, I got 30 days of back and forth kind of playing around and was immediately back on a boat going to the Gulf again. Soon as I came back, there was an IG inspection. That was over. Then we went to Okinawa. Then I did my time in Okinawa, traveled all there. So I did not spend a lot of time at Lejeune. And I've never been on Pendleton. I deployed quite a bit. Uh, great podcast with Phil. Yes, guys. All right, man, we're out of here. We're done. Thank you. Thank you for another great year. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and commenting and just, you know, keep it all coming. Thanks for, you know, thanks for enjoying the the, the kind of scatterbrain shotgun approach that I do take. And, and I'm glad it resonates with you all. But have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Be safe. If you drink, don't drive. If you drive, don't drink. Get an Uber. All those safety briefs from the time. And, and have a great one. Cheers, all. I think I changed the thing. Oh, wait. Oh, well. We're out of here.